Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Wednesday, October 12th, and this is the Ion College Basketball Podcast. I got Matt Norlander with me, and uh, the college basketball season tips exactly one month from yesterday. Can't get here soon enough, as far as I'm concerned. Not a whole lot here, here. Uh, happening uh, this week, which is why I repeat, cannot get here soon enough. But Kentucky, you know, uh, they did hold their pro days on Sunday and Monday in Lexington on a campus. And I talked to... Uh, uh, multiple NBA scouts, but I used a, a post earlier in the week. I talked to one guy in particular, NBA scout, who was there for both days, and I just asked him three very simple questions. Who's the most impressive uh, prospect you saw? Who surprised you? And how good do you think Kentucky's going to be as a basketball team? And the answer to the first question, uh, he said he said De'Aaron Fox, uh, the point guard uh, who is going to be in that backcourt, presumably with uh, Malik Monk and Isaiah Briscoe. Is that the right answer, Norlander? Is that who you would pick as Kentucky's top freshman as well? Uh, I wouldn't, actually. I would pick Bam Adebayo, uh, their big man down low. Uh, I think Fox will have the most impact of any freshman, and I like Fox's game a lot. I think he'll have a pretty good year. And I actually I wrote uh, on CBS Sports earlier this week that actually I think Fox's talent and – the roster Calipari has this season and kind of the offense I expect Kentucky to run. I think Fox has a good chance of being like a top four point guard at the college level Calipari's ever coached. I, I think that highly of him. I think he can be that good. But I think uh, Adebayo has got a better chance of showing more at the college level and being a higher draft pick overall. If I was saying who would be more valuable, it would be Fox for a number of reasons. One, he's going to have the ball in his hands more. Uh, but Bam's a really good player. Uh, extremely physical uh, has good pop to him, very strong. I think he'll be really good down low and underneath. But either way, Kentucky is interesting because it's a really good class, and, and you've got those two. I'm higher on Wenyan Gabriel than a lot of people. I think he might be something of a role player to start, but I actually think Wenyan Gabriel is going to have uh, nights where he just he's a stat monster and gets better as the season goes along, so I think he'll be pretty good. I'm lower than most on Malik Monk. I know you love Monk. He's love Malik score. Monk. You love him, and he's going to score – but I actually don't trust his jump shot, and I could see him hiv- having a number of lulls this season, but I could see the highs being really, really high. Uh, and then you got Sasha Kalea-Jones, who will probably be a multi-year player, but also as a pro prospect. So Kentucky, yeah, every year they bring in new guys, and that's part of the, the interest with the program because they're always you know, surefire NBA picks and all that. I, he's never had a class like this in terms of the size, the dynamic. I actually I, I kind of like all the players overall. I don't feel that we're overrating Kentucky. We have them number two. I think that makes a lot of sense. The guy that I'm most interested in looking at, though, is of the of the freshman on the team is Fox. And one more quick note, GP. I'm actually not that. We're in the midst of you know starting to compile our top list of the hundred uh, parentheses and one players in college basketball. I'm not high on Briscoe overall. I, I guess we should probably have him on that list, but. He didn't do a ton last year. He got into a weird spot where his draft stock wasn't great, so he was kind of forced to come back. I think he will be a factor this year, but I would put him at best as the fifth most talented person on that team, and that that even might be a little bit too high. Um, On uh, Malik Monk, you mentioned you don't trust his jumper, and I hear you. I mean, we both watched him uh, plenty of times in the summer over the years. I will say I talked to the Kentucky staff about him specifically 
uh, a couple months ago, and uh, you know, w- after he had already been on campus and had been working out, and they told me he was shooting the ball really, really well. Now, whether that holds up in game situations, we'll see. Um, but he uh, had been shooting the ball, you know, fairly well uh, since arriving on campus uh, in Lexington. You mentioned you think De'Aaron Fox could be a top four John Calipari point guard of all time. How do you make that list? Is it is it Derrick Rose, John Wall? Tyreek Evans or Tyler Eulis? Like, how do you do it? I would say Eulis. I would go. I would go. Tyre, Rose. I, I would say this. Tyreek Evans was awesome at Memphis. He was, and I would actually trust me. It's it's a little bit of a logjam there, and I'm I'm only speaking in terms of impact value at the college level, not you know what they became in the pros. I would go Rose one, Wall two, and that's super close. I would go Eulis three. Uh, and I think if you ask Cal that he would have, I think this would be his order too. And then I think Fox has a chance to be four. But yeah, Evans was good. He was unconventional too. I think the reason why perhaps his reputation isn't looked upon as highly as the others is because, correct me if I'm wrong, GP, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe that, that like the Memphis team he was a part of wasn't a vintage Memphis team. They weren't great. He wasn't like a natural, pure point guard he was a different kind of guy but he was awesome don't get me wrong i think he was really really good him and uh brandon knight are kind of neck and neck in terms of um you know four or five on the overall list but i just think fox he's listed at six three man i think he's taller than that maybe i'm wrong but he he feel, he plays like he's six five to me great vision makes a lot of good decisions i think he's set up to succeed this season overall uh, Kentucky's just it's an interesting team because they have some they have some veterans there I mean Derek Wills should get plenty of time you've got Briscoe who uh, to me is you know he's a step down from say what uh, Liggins was a few years ago just he'll be a good defensive force a good a good uh, presence overall but the freshmen are definitely going to have to carry that team Calipari's not unfamiliar with that uh, it should be it should be plenty interesting. And by the way, I mean, this is we're just singing the same song over and over here. But part of the reason why I think we're rightfully putting Kentucky so high is that Parrish, I'm just not inspired by the SEC yet again. Like A&M, yeah, they'll be they'll be solid, but they're not going to be as good as they were last year. Florida, they might still be a year away from being a surefire tournament team. Vanderbilt should be OK. They got a new they got a new coach set up. Let's see what Mississippi State can do. You know, they're kind of a to-be-determined kind of team. I mean, you look around the league, and again, there's just – I want it to be better than what it is, and it's just its just not. I can't i can't say with any sort of conviction that the SEC will be a top-four conference. It doesn't look like it because you, you start to ask yourself, who can even seriously threaten Kentucky in the SEC? And on paper, the answer is uh, nobody. Circling back around to that uh, 2009 Memphis team with Tyreek Evans, because uh, I think what you said is – like, feels true. And I agree with you. You said it wasn't a vintage Memphis team. They weren't great. Except they finished 33-4. and four. Uh, <laughs> It's ridiculous. No, and, and fourth in Ken Palm. They finished fourth in the Ken Palm ratings. I don't know if you remember. I only remember because of where I live. They started 6-3. and three. They lost to Xavier, lost to Georgetown, lost to Syracuse, and uh, d- didn't look good at all. Like, I think they got unranked. And at that point, Cal basically decided – because he was playing Tyreek – off the ball. I remember this, yes. And then he decided we just got to put the ball in the kid's hands and let him go. And once he once he put the ball in Tyreek Evans' hand, it was over with. They ran through everybody. Uh, now, a lot of that was uh, uh, Conference USA opponents, but they went into Gonzaga uh, on uh, in February 
on the road and and beat Gonzaga by 18. That was a I want to say a, a a game day situation. They went to the Elite Eight, no Sweet 16, and lost to Missouri. Uh, 102-91, that's when Mike Anderson was the coach there. But I'm with you. Of the, If you take 2006, 7, 8, 9, those four years of Memphis basketball, I think that team was the worst. Um, it, but it still got to a Sweet 16 and was ranked fourth at Ken Palm with a 33-4 and four, uh, record. To your point about uh, Kentucky this year, like we do have them ranked second. And it was interesting, the scout told me, he said, I don't think they're as good as, as the recent Final Four teams. Like, I could see them making an Elite Eight. Like, I, I think they're maybe a top eight team in the country. But but I think college basketball will be down, uh, you know, across the nation. That's at least what I'm seeing when I go to practices. And, and therefore, certainly a Final Four is on the table. I would say anytime you've got three possible lottery picks, probable lottery picks, um, the, the Final Four is – a Final Four is in the cards. So, like, anybody putting a ceiling on Kentucky, I think, is a – a little bit silly, but when I, you know, posted that, I got some pushback from other college basketball writers saying, "Oh, it's not going to be a down year in college basketball," and uh, my my instincts are that these are are guys, and they're my friends, so like whatever. But like they just love college basketball, so they see the good and everything. But you look at it right now, you know, and we're about a month away. Uh, I think Grayson Allen's the only first or second team All-American who returned to school. Uh, one of the key freshmen is injured, Harry Giles. Um, I don't know that there's an obvious great team on paper. Um, like we think Duke can be really good. We think Kentucky can be really good. But you know, Villanova is a lot of people's you know number three team in the country, and there's no reason to think they'll be as good as they were last year because they lost two you know starters, a big and a point guard. So like. It, it, Am I like I don't know? As a listen, we're college basketball writers and analysts and whatever. Like we're going to get into this no matter what. But like, is there a whole lot of stuff for a casual sports fan to grab onto heading into this college basketball season? I think there's stuff just because. Listen, let me bring up your rankings right now, okay? As we're as we're talking through this, because we do have a situation here. And granted, every single year you've got a number of of uh, blue bloods that are that are ranked but when you've got duke and kentucky one and two i think that automatically lends itself sure. to having people being you know able to grab onto something villanova has honestly i, I feel like josh hart is relatively well known and, and everyone watched chris jenkins hit the shot so they're both back so villanova has a familiar familiarity factor there i, I think, think you could watch i think you could walk josh hart into any sports bar in america and he would go unnoticed in, unless it was in philadelphia i think you could do that with all of but three or four college football players as well so i think that's a relative you know i mean that's just that's that's true you could do that with all but three nhl players so i i get what you're saying there yeah but uh, isn't it because those guys wear helmets face in yeah like but I, but yeah uh, to a certain extent sure i mean i guess um like you couldn't you couldn't walk Half of the NBA into a bar without him being noticed, and yet, how many college basketball players could would be recognized walking into a bar in in America somewhere? Grayson Allen, I think. But like yep. the list is pretty short. I think you're you're right about that. I think that's also. I mean, listen, NBA markets its stars so fantastically well that I think that's part of it as well. Um, but listen, Arizona will be highly ranked again. 
Um, Kansas is in the top five. Michigan State will be good again. And a lot of, you know, as with college football and college basketball, the coaches are the stars overall. Mm-hmm. Do I think it's a down year? I don't think it's a down year because, and listen, I can understand why a scout would say that going in. I am a firm believer that this freshman class is extremely good. I extremely think good. Um, Evan Daniels wrote a piece uh, yesterday um, over at, uh, I believe, Fox Sports. He's now doing stuff for them on College Hoops. He says this could be the strongest freshman class since 2007. That was the class that had Odin in it, uh, Conley, and was a, a Durant and all them. It was a it was a terrific class. So I think we could have a situation when we get to January where you're just going to look and you're going to see plenty of fantastic players, and it's going to be a relatively good year. Like, I'm excited. I think overall... Again, though, I'm I'm just I love the wasn't, sports. Wasn't the subsequent class even like really good as well? Because that was Derrick Rose, Eric Gordon, OJ Mayo, Kevin Love. Yes, they were both. Yeah, I mean that one was awesome. It was extremely, extremely good and fantastic. This one has a really good chance because there are so many really Michael good Beasley, point guards in the class. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, it's a strong point guard class. And the guy we Crazy were talking about at the top, De'Aaron Fox is a, a big reason De'Aaron for that. Fox, Dennis Lonzo Smith, Ball. Dennis Lonzo Ball. Smith, who I think is awesome. You even got like Kobe Simmons at Arizona who will probably pop in a big way next season. But he's still uh, I mean, he's a six, six point guard It's crazy. So there are there are really good point guards all around. I get what scouts are saying. I ultimately think we're going to get to April and even like we're not going to top last year's title game. But or, you know, before we get to the tournament, I think we'll get there and say, you know what? 2016, 2017 was better on the whole than 15, 16 overall, and a lot of that will have to do with the fact that we have so many really good freshmen at so many really good programs. And it's not just like, oh, the top programs got freshmen. We're talking like between Kentucky, Duke, Michigan State, Arizona, Kansas, they're going to have, GP, they're going to have anywhere between 7 to 10 of the top 20 NBA picks next season. Right. So that's going to be a huge factor in people paying attention. That helps uh, because we didn't necessarily have that last year. I don't begrudge anybody for picking whatever school they pick, but um, it seemed wasted a little bit that um, we had two pros playing at Washington. You know, they, they, they're off the radar, not very good. Uh, Henry Ellenson was at Marquette. Uh, he was great, team not that good. Ben Simmons was at LSU. He was great. Team wasn't any good. Um, so, you know, the year prior, we had Carl Anthony Towns at Kentucky and Jalu Okafor at, at, at Duke. Uh, last year, some of the best players, uh, prospects in the country were playing on mostly irrelevant college basketball teams. And I think that um, dampened things a little bit. But uh, just to circle back around, I would say this. Um, although you were on the Buddy Hill train very, very early, like in the preseason, who would have ever thought we'd have looked up in January and and, sp- and and been talking as much as we were talking about Buddy Hill and Denzel Valentine, right? So as I've said a million times, college basketball is a sport that always creates storylines. You don't always know where they're coming from, um, but they're always there eventually. And you just hope that um, there'll be enough of them, high-profile ones that will uh, draw in the casual viewers, uh, the guys and, and gals who would normally not – uh, pay attention until the brackets are uh, released. Um, another interesting uh, story that you posted earlier today, CBSSports.com. Not to turn this into a uh, Kentucky podcast entirely. Um, the story's but, too good, though. But the story's too good. John Wall tells a story uh, to Matt Jones from Kentucky Sports Radio about how when he was a prospect coming out of the state of North Carolina, he was inside of a Kentucky practice being run by Billy Gillespie. He's just there as a recruit. 
And I guess his phone went off, and Gillespie kicked him out of practice. This is a kid who was the number one recruit in America, and you kick him out of your out of your practice facility because his phone went off. And I get it. You'd prefer a phone not go off in the middle of a practice, same way you'd prefer a phone not go off in the middle of a press conference. Um, but holy crap. Like, what is it? How do you get – if I were a college basketball coach and I had the number one prospect in America in my gym, like, he could take a dump on the floor. And I'd be like, okay, like, we you know, we're just going to ride this thing out. I, I'd prefer him not doo-doo on the floor, but – but like whatever he's the number one prospect in the country how do you what does it say about billy clyde that he straight kicked john wall out of practice when john wall was a, a prospect i mean this is yeah like just let's flash back to that time when gillespie takes on the kentucky job it's way more than he's prepared for okay the thing turns into a dumpster fire almost immediately you've got I mean, just picture like, listen, you, when you get top 10 prospects, let alone the number one prospect in the country on a visit, okay, and I don't know if it was an unofficial or an official, that, that detail I don't have, but I, I, I can't even interpret this kind of behavior. For all we know, maybe Wall's phone went off five times, and it was the fifth time, and Gillespie was like, you got to step outside, uh, and, and I can't have you in here anymore. That could have been it, or it could have been the first time, and he just demanded to throw him out. But this is the kind of thing that encapsulates why Gillespie at Kentucky just did not work. And Gillespie, I mean, listen, if you talk to media, reporters, former players, or coaches, Gillespie has legendary stories of his practices at a number of spots some of them interesting some of them quite frankly um inappropriate and shocking um so this is just one in another long line of those and at the time Paris, you were telling me this in slack earlier but you know wall going to kentucky with gillespie there most likely wasn't going to happen because calipari was just it's nuts to think, but Calipari was just recruiting at such an insane level at Memphis that it was it was known by many people covering at the time, and I was not covering the sport nationally when Wall was a prospect. I came the year after, but um, he was going to go to Memphis and picturing, and, and not only that, but you were saying like Cousins was set Dude. up to go to Memphis. I mean, I'm just trying to picture Memphis with Cousins and Wall. Like no, they would have was... won the league and averaged a margin of victory by 30 points that season if that had happened. You mean to, here's what would have happened? That would have been the first forty and O team in college basketball. Uh, very conceivably, would have happened. Yes, I mean that's just ridiculous. It was going to be John Wall, Demarcus Cousins, Xavier Henry. I'm trying to think of who else was there at the time. Um, Will Coleman. Um, I, want, I want to say Darnell Dotson was a part of that. They like they had this thing set up, and whoever was you know scheduled to come back i don't really remember the details but like they, they were it was shaping up to be the uh, preseason number one team in the country and because they played in conference usa a team that was maybe equipped to 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 go undefeated i mean that that team at kentucky which which was all those guys that zabier henry ended up going to kansas as opposed to kentucky but it's essentially the the, the team cow had at kentucky is is essentially you know, Patrick Patterson, not, but like the, the key parts, those guys were going to be at Memphis, Eric Bledsoe. He'd have probably got to come to Memphis. So That's... yeah. And they almost went undefeated, you know, that year, uh, at Kentucky. Of course they lost their first game. You know who beat them, right? <laughs> I 
Tuna who beat him. You want to tell everyone who beat him? <laughs> Devin Downey. Shout out to Devin Downey. Yes, he did. John Wall's oh, first yeah. car- career loss. DeMarcus Cousins' first career loss in college. John Calipari's first loss at Kentucky came at the hands of Devin Downey. And somebody, I can't remember who it was. I'd give him credit if I did. They sent us a link to a story from like that year. And uh, I think it was posted again, Kentucky Sports Radio. And the headline, swear to God, the headline of the story from like 2010 was shout out to Devin Downey. No way. I know. You didn't see it? No, I did not. They they sent it to you as well, I think. Um, but okay. Like, I might if they sent it like I don't know. I don't know. I might have missed it. Um, but I gotta. Yeah. Anyone listening, <laughs> send that again. Cause like, I gotta see that because that's ridiculous they found it from like way back then i don't even know how they found it but it was the like the headline on the blog post was shout out to devin downey which was just terrific but yeah so john wall was uh they were all coming to memphis and then of course when kyle uh got the kentucky job that fell apart pretty quickly and as they say the rest is history but i guess i'd bottom line it like this if i'm ever a college basketball coach and at this point it appears i'm probably not gonna be um if i've got the number one if I've got the number one recruit in America in my gym, uh, he can do whatever he wants. Uh, I'll, I'll t- just uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, let's, let's do it. Like let's picture Tom Izzo throwing Josh Jackson out of a practice, or Bill Self throwing Markel Fultz out of a practice. Like you just can't picture it happening. No, like, it just a- would not happen. Uh, but it happened then, and. Wall went on to be a number one pick. It's wild. <laughs> I will say um, I have been inside of a Billy Gillespie practice at Kentucky. I was there for his first Big Blue Madness, which was just so awkward. It was the first moment where I went, oh, no, this might not work. Because, you know, it's a big event. And they they marched him out, and he's, like, in front of this massive crowd and spotlight. And Billy, let me be clear, I always like Billy Gillespie. I, I know he's a he's a flawed individual who's had some personal issues, but like, uh, you know, personally, I never had any issues with Billy Gillespie. Like I like Billy Gillespie. Um, now I never had to play for him or work for him, but like he, I never had a problem with him. So I say this not to like pile on, but just, I'm just telling a story. Um, but I was at that big blue madness and they put that spotlight on him and he looks so uncomfortable. Like it was like where John Calipari is made for that. Billy Gillespie is the, is like, couldn't be the opposite in terms of, you know, Billy Gillespie just a basketball coach. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't have much use for all that other stuff. And when those lights came on, and I saw his face, and he really—you could probably find it on YouTube. Like he—he he didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to do. He—he he looked like, to use a terrible cliche, deer in headlights. And I—that's the first time I went. Ugh, this might not be a perfect fit. Guy's a hell of a basketball coach, but this whole big blue nation thing might be a little, uh, a little overwhelming for him. And I think we found out it subsequently was. Um, but the next day, I was at the just a normal practice type practice. And I will say this. Like, I had my computer out because I was, I don't know, taking notes or whatever. And about midway through the practice, I, I see Billy talk to, like, one of the managers or grad assistants or something. And they come over to me. And they go, hey, uh, ex- excuse me. And I said, yeah. And they said, oh, hey, um, Coach Gillespie just wanted to know what you're doing on your computer. And I was like, I'm just, I don't like taking notes, just like, uh, you know, I don't know. I just have it open because I always have it open. They're like, well, um, and I feel like this might have been pre-Twitter, so it might not have been about Twitter. But they were like, you know, we don't really want anything. They just very paranoid about what I was doing with my computer, which I found odd. But to his credit, because uh, I've been in a million practices, that's never happened before. Uh, nobody's ever asked me what, what what's on your computer. Um, 
you know, whether it's the Duke practice or Carolina practice or a Calipari practice or whatever, but like it was, they made a point. They wanted to know what was going on with my computer. But to Billy's credit, he didn't kick me out. So I did better than John Wall. Can you imagine not kicking me out, but kicking John Wall out? Boy, you got your priorities mixed up there, right? Uh, yes. Nice twist there. No, uh, no. <laughs> uh. Absolutely, man. But uh, one last so one last note before we get out of here. Earlier today, Arizona secured a commitment from a kid named Brandon Randolph, top forty recruit class of two thousand seventeen. Uh, of course, I think it was last month. Certainly recently, they got DeAndre Ayton, number one recruit class of two thousand seventeen. And now, according to twenty four seven Sports, Arizona has the number two ranked recruiting class in America. So Sean Miller, I think this will is on track to be the fourth straight year. He's at a top 10 recruiting class, according to 247 Sports. So uh, uh, no surprise, but um, it's worth noting that uh, he's really got, Sean does, a, a, a strong thing uh, rolling uh, out there in Tucson. He does. Listen, I will I will tease something here because next week, I think we're going to have some really good preseason content coming next week. So on the podcast, we're going to be able to talk about that in general. Um, so my teaser is that, and it ties into this, I'm going to put Arizona in my final four this year. I'm higher on them than a lot of people. And what I think is going to happen here is Miller's been recruiting at such a high level for a while now. But with this class that he has right now and the success that I think is going to come this year, I think they'll contend with Oregon, be right there with Oregon and UCLA to win the Pac-12 title. If they won it, I would not be shocked. And I'm going to put him in the final four. I just We really could be hitting a spot here where Miller's career, which has been so good, maybe hits like a truly elite a level where he is then mentioned unequivocally every single time with, you know, five or six other coaches that are considered greats in the game. Oh, I think, he's, I, think, I think he's already there. I, the, the only... I think he's there as well, but I still think that like he's not a no-brainer to be mentioned there. I think, I think a year like this, and now he's got another strong class coming, Parrish, then it's just like, and Beheim and Calipari, and Krzyzewski, and Miller, and Self, and Izzo. I just think that he will unequivocally, he's set up to do that now, this season into next, because next year's class will obviously be huge as well. And when we do our top 101 players in college basketball a year from now, DeAndre Ayton, I can assure you, is going to be in the top five no matter who comes back next year. Uh, Sean, of course, the only thing on his resume that's missing is the Final Four, right? Uh, But he has been to four Elite Eights. He's lost all four games, obviously, but... Uh, I'll just say what I said on a podcast uh, a few weeks back. Uh, you keep giving yourself opportunities. Like if you uh, – I think you got to four Final Fours before the age of 47. That suggests he's going to get to more, particularly if he continues to recruit at this level. You get there enough times, it's just going to bounce your way one time. It just will. So um, I would bet uh, a whole bunch of money that Sean is in that Final Four, maybe a national championship coach uh, at some point within the next uh, five to ten years, but certainly at some point in his career. I don't think there's a, ch- a chance at all – that he retires from being a college basketball coach without a Final Four on his resume. Remember, you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast over on iTunes, so uh, do that. It's the best way to get the latest episodes as quickly as possible. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, Norlander and I will be back next week. Uh, Till then, take care.